Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by the Sunday Mail Scott McDermott. Today we review a terrible result for Rangers as they drop points against Strugglers Dundee despite the Dens Park men being down to 10 men for most of the match. And once again, your question's answered. Scott, you were at the game. Very disappointing result. Was the performance as disappointing? It was, Johnny. I don't think there's any getting away for that. Um... I think Stephen Gerrard's post-match comments told you everything you need to know. I actually think, I actually think what Gerrard said about the performance and about the team was pretty reflective of uh, the kind of mood among punters on Sunday and the mood among uh, punters since the game. Uh, I thought he was very as as he as he's been the whole season or he's been since he's since he arrived here. He was really honest about the. The performance and the failings of of the team uh, on on kind of that that given day, obviously, but now it was really really disappointing from a Rangers point of view. Um, what can you say about it? Pedestrian, predictable, laboured, slow, lacking passion, desire, creativity. I mean, you could go on and on, um, but. I think, I mean, I mentioned after the Aberdeen game that I thought you could sense a bit of concern in Stephen Gerrard's voice, maybe for the first time, thinking about by the, knowing Rangers really get to the business end of the season. I think that worry and concern was even more evident in his comments after this game. And we consider everyone at Rangers, players, manager alike, have been saying uh, that this month, this no uh, December month about how crucial it was going to be in terms of Rangers' aspirations for the title. The fact of effectively kicked off the month by failing to beat ten man Aberdeen at home. The same against bottom of the league team ten men at Dens Park. It's a listen. Rangers are still they're still in there fighting, but it's it'll be a worry for Gerard. It's a reality check, isn't it? If there was ever if there was ever a serious feeling that there was going to be a strong title challenge this year in terms of actually going and getting ahead of Celtic in, in Gerrard's first year, it was always a little bit fanciful, wasn't it, given 15 players have come in, Gerrard's in his first season as a manager, Celtic are such a good side who have gone on such an unbelievable run of winning trophies. It was always going to be very difficult this year, wasn't Listen, it? Listen, it, it might be fanciful, but... Can you honest? Do you honestly think Steven Gerrard, no, knowing the type of character he is, whether it's his first job in management or not, I mean, do you honestly think that he didn't believe that Rangers could go and challenge? I think only one thing in his mind this year was to go and beat Celtic to the to the title. I think if you'd asked him only a week ago after Tynecastle, 
did he believe they were good enough to go and win the title? I think he would have said yes. That is his. Whether it's his first season or players coming in, he doesn't care about that. He he wants to win the league right away. Uh, of course, us on the outside can say us on the outside can say as we did at the start of the season that finishing a clear second place ahead of the rest, no, a good distance ahead of the rest, and winning a a cup, winning a trophy. Of course, that would be a successful season for Rangers. But given the start Gerard has made at Ibrooks in terms of the European qualification, hanging in there at the top of the league, certainly a week ago going top after beating Hearts at Tynecastle. Make no mistake, he he wants to win the title and he, he'll, he'll believe that this Rangers team are good enough to do it. But doesn't that add pressure to him? Just from a point of view of how the fans react to a result like today because they don't look at the big picture they don't say well you're second you've got three points potentially if you win the the game that you have in hand that'll put you three points clear in second you've done extraordinarily well in Europe but he loves pressure that's what Stephen that's what Stephen Gerrard lives off it's what he's loved off his whole career he Mm. talks about it every week the big games the pressure having to win needing to win every week that is what he lived for listen he could we all know he could have left Liverpool under-18s to go and manage a, a a Wigan Athletic or a Derby County or an Ipswich or whatever where that pressure wouldn't be there. But he's repeatedly said that everything you're talking about, that is what he missed. He had that at Liverpool. We know Liverpool weren't, haven't regularly been winning titles, but he won every trophy going bar the Premier League as a player. Liverpool were always challenging or in the main were always challenging for, for honours. That is what this guy thrives off, and that's why he'll have been hurting so much after Sunday watching that, you know, watching such a lacklustre performance. That will have really, and as I say, you can tell with the, with the language that he used, you no, know, that, that really hurt him on Sunday, I think, watching that. Okay, let's talk about the game specifically and the individual instance that made the difference. I think we go straight to the goal because Dundee scored early. This was one of the worst goals defensively I have ever seen. It's a hopeful punt from uh, the Dundee lad at the back, the guy who got sent off. Um, Over the top, Joe Worrell is completely in the wrong position. Kenny Miller is basically running him ragged, running left and right, confuses him. The thing is, Goldson makes a brilliant defensive move inside. He sees that his defensive partner's in trouble, and he covers him expertly. But then for some inexplicable reason decides he's going to lean into Kenny Miller yep. to try and stop him from getting to the ball and in doing so allows him to get to the ball. Yep. It's an absolute calamitous goal for both of them. Really. Well, you've summed it up perfectly. I mean, positioning, poor, uh, decision-making, poor. Worrell's uh, body shape is all over the place to deal with the long ball. As you say, it's one hopeful punt up the park which has totally deceived two centre-backs, no, two uh, centre-backs with really good pedigree. And as you say, all due respect to, to Kenny Miller, and we all know what he can do, my 38-year-old has totally deceived both of them. Uh, Worrell's made a mess of it initially. You're right, Goldson does quite well in terms of you want your other centre-back to go and cover. Um Looking at it again, I think, I might be wrong, but I think Goldson 
believes that he's dealt with the situation and thinks he's done the hard bit. And I think he, he wants to clear it with his right foot as opposed to his left foot. I think he can clear it with his left foot. He can punt it at the park, punt it for a corner, whatever. I think he believes he's so in control of the situation that I'm going to decide to clear this with my good foot. Similarly to the... I thought he was trying to shepherd it to the keeper. It was almost like he was like, I know where Kenny Miller is. I'm going to back into him. I've got the power to move him so that he can't get to this ball. But yeah. he wasn't banking on the maybe, fact that Kenny Miller is still very, very quick. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I think I think he leans into him and tries to get his body around so that if he has to clear it, he can do it with, with his right foot, his good foot. And if you remember the Sparta, was it Sparta OG? Yeah. When he could have cleared the ball with his left foot in the six-yard box when it f- gets fizzed across goal. He tries to clear it with his right, which was so you know, unorthodox in the, the position that he found himself in. And he ends up putting it into his own, slicing it into his own net with his right foot. I think there was a bit of that uh, for the goal, but no, whatever the two of them did, it was a no, it was a shambles for, for start to finish. And that wasn't the only point the Rangers looked like they were struggling at the back. Uh, there were several times in the game, and Dundee only came forward maybe three or four times, but every time they did, and Kenny Miller in particular, as Stephen Gerrard said in the game, in the interviews afterwards, he said, Kenny Miller ran us ragged. Yeah. That's a damning indictment, isn't it? I just thought they were, I just thought they were miles off it. No, defensively, you're right, just lack of concentration, lack of focus, no, whatever you want to call it, they just didn't look at it right for the off, and when you consider the position Rangers are in in the league, you consider what we've spoke about in terms of this month and how important it is, um, where Rangers kind of find themselves. It's no, it's unforgivable for for defenders and players in general to, to appeal that they've got that, that attitude. I mean, in the second half, just getting off on a slight tangent, but in the second half, I'm watching Alan McGregor no, the keeper showing more desire, more passion, uh, being more vocal um, than any of the centre-backs. I mean, at times, McGregor's up like 30 yards up the pitch, like pushing the defenders on, yeah. telling them to hurry up, telling them to get up the park, telling them to drive forward with the ball. Joe Warren in particular was so lethargic and so... So laboured that was un it was untrue in, in terms of getting Rangers up the park, you no know, crisp passing, purposeful passing. It was just it was so off it it was untrue. Joe Worrell has come under a bit of crit- for a bit of criticism. Obviously, there's a picture going round, well, a video going round social media of him taking the ball, looking up as if he's going to make a World Cup pass, and then puts it clear into the stands. Yeah. Uh, if you've not seen the video, just type in Joe Worrell on Twitter, and you'll you'll see it now. We've talked a lot about Steven Gerrard and the, the excellent things he's done, but he's also made a few mistakes. And is his biggest what's happened with Nico Katic? Because we had a player there that was in terrific form that Rangers looked like they'd won an absolute watch with. And whatever's happened behind the scenes, however Gerrard's going about it, since that moment, Nico Katic hasn't looked like the same player. And Joe Worrell has replaced him. And if you're going to have a player who's coming in on loan that is replacing a player that is yours, he needs to be a damn sight better than what's already there. Yep. Go and have a look at Benkovic at Celtic for an example of what that should look like. Yep. And Worrell hasn't been that. No. 
I mean, you're talking about a guy in Joe Warrow who <laughs> is constantly telling everyone no, how he can't wait to get back down to Nottingham Forest and get into their team and go on and play in the Premier League and play in England and all that. I mean, I'm sorry, but <laughs> if you can't deal with a 38-year-old striker in the Scottish Premiership, then... Well, the Premier League in England's a long, a long way away, and as I say, that's that's with huge respect to, to Kenny Miller and everything he's done in his his career. But you're right. I think Steven Gerrard has made few mistakes since he came in, but you have to look at that defence at the weekend <coughs> and in a few games recently and think: Has he tinkered with it too much? Has he meddled with it too much? You're right, some of the European games, particularly away from home, Katic looked terrific. Uh, terrific defensively, I'm not saying he's he's brilliant on the ball. Um, he also offered another threat at set pieces that Worrell hasn't matched. Scored a couple of goals, yep. Scored a couple of big goals. And uh, one in Europe, I remember, at Ibrox, maybe against Scoopy, maybe. Yep. Um, or Jack, one of the two. So, listen, it's hard to tell because we don't know what Nico Katic's confidence is like, what he's like in training, no, has been dropped, affected him mentally, that suddenly his performance levels at training have dipped. Certainly when he got brought in for a couple of games when Gerard was rotating it, he looked all over the place. He came in at Hamilton on the plastic pitch. It was terrible, yeah. And was actually subbed after ma- making a mistake, which would have dented confidence further, you'd have to imagine. Um, Same against Motherwell, went off at half-time. Off again, uh, Moscow, he played in Moscow, didn't he? Yes. With with, with Goldson again, and was all over the place, as well as Rangers' entire back four, to be fair. Um, So, it'd be interesting, obviously, we've not had a chance to speak to Nico Katic and find out how he's feeling. You can only, uh, you can only surmise about these things, but... No, having come in at the start of the season, and let's be honest, having come in for a fairly substantial fee, no, by Rangers standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, he was a big. You expect him to be a big, big player for Rangers, and he looked like he was going to be that. That partnership with Goldson looked really strong, uh, albeit in in Europa League qualifiers. So as I say, you just wonder how it's affected them, the, the, the tinkering and the, the, the kind of meddling with the back four. Obviously, Gareth McCauley's been thrown into the thrown into the mix since then as well. But certainly, Worrell's performances have to improve dramatically. Gerard's clearly a big fan. He wants him in there. No, I think we can all say Gerard thinks that, that Goldson and Worrell is his best partnership. Seems that way, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but, jeez, I mean, if... If they two are going to kind of go forward as the you know, the two or the first choice centre back pairing for Rangers, uh, they're going to improve dramatically from from Sunday. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Nottingham Forest potentially looking to take Worrell back in the January transfer window. Are we at that stage where you would say that should be welcomed? I don't know about that, Johnny, because for a start, I don't think it will happen. I don't think it can happen. I think the no, there was a throwaway line from Ita Karanka a few weeks ago about, <coughs> about how he'd need to look at the, the details of the contract, but I think that was post-match, kind of heat of the moment, 
think Michael Dawson had just been injured in that game and you know, they were going to be a bit short of centre-back, so he kind of threw this line in. Maybe I'll need to look at, at Worrell's contract. I think... I might be proved wrong. I think that'll be pretty watertight that he's there for the that he's there for the season. So I don't think we're quite at that stage where he's so bad that you're having to throw him no, you're having to rip up a loan contract and try and try and get short of him, kinda Umar Sadiq style <laughs> there. So yeah. Um but he's got to improve and and Worrell's no daft. I mean he's a young he's a young guy but very mature when you speak to him in interviews, no very knowledgeable about the game, very confident in his own ability. So he'll know that his performance, his, uh, certainly Sunday's performance, was um, was miles away from being good enough. Yeah. Um, Rangers, after the goal, uh, went forward and uh, didn't really create a lot until when they scored. Uh, red card for the Dundee player, Ralph. Um, did you think it was a, a, a red card? Um, I thought it was harsh at the time. I've obviously seen it back on TV a few times. It's a reckless tackle. I mean, it's certainly no last man. No. Uh, that, that would be ludicrous, I think. But apparently the referee is claiming that's why he got the red card, uh, which doesn't surprise me. But Alan, uh, Alan Muir, I've said on social media quite a few times, I think, for me, he's the worst the worst referee in Scotland, which I know is a big <laughs> statement, but trust me, when you're watching the amount of games uh, that I do and you're seeing you know, lots of different teams, different referees, Alan Muir's always the one that stuck out for me. He's been really, really bad. So it didn't surprise me on Sunday that with him in charge, there was a bit of controversy. There's a, there's a sending off. That's I, I thought it was a stonewall raid. Honestly, just for um, the tackle. Yeah, just it's just it's dangerous. It's out of control. It's high. I just think in the modern game, based on what we've seen and what the rules say about <laughs> reckless, I th- I think if he'd have gave a yellow, I don't think many people would have been shouting for him to be sent off. Honestly, Scott, Johnny. I think I, seriously, I don't. You're, I know you're basing it on your five or no, sides. No, listen, I know what you're saying, and I can see why. If the referee had said it was for a dangerous, reckless tackle, then I can see why. And I know a lot of people have said on Twitter and stuff that it is a stonewall. I, I think I think if he'd have whipped out a yellow card and gave a free kick, I don't think there'd be I don't think there'd been that many Rangers players over at the ref asking for a red card. I think actually when you look at the footage, you see a couple of Rangers players, Kyle Lafferty in particular, looks quite surprised when well, he produces the red the red card. Maybe that's because he he, he went in at such pace. That it was hard to kind of see, yeah, and, and, and Candias got up so quickly. Credit maybe. to Candias because yep. a lot of players in that situation would have been rolling about, yep. adding to the drama to, to get a red card. But I just think there's no place for that kind of tackle in the game, and you have to try and stamp it out because at the end of the day, a lot of players are going to get injured if you well, make challenges. It was like that. similar to the one you didn't like from Shinny on McCauley yeah. last week. When it was yeah. very similar, yeah. um, albeit in a different area of the, of the pitch, and I thought. Then no, you were shouting for a red. I thought a yellow would have probably suffice. You're I'm old just, school. You're ah, tough. Exactly. I'm, a, I'm, a wimp. I'm a wimp. <laughs> Hipster. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what, Andy Halliday steps up, and what a free kick he puts in. Brilliant. Uh, please for Andy Halliday as a guy, just to have those moments again in a Rangers jersey because he, no, he would have definitely have thought that that they were gone in the in the summer with an overlap. 
uh, a lot, but he obviously thought his time his time was up. Tells you a lot about you no know, where he is at the moment, uh, kind of mentally that no he can he effectively shoved uh, Tavernier and Lafferty uh, out the road to go and hit the free kick, and he buries it. Um, Question marks it, about the keeper. No, I mean, in, saying that. initially I thought maybe because it's obviously his side. No, granted, he, he maybe could be a yard further over. He's right in terms of his uh, starting position, but honestly, when you look at it back, the the pace and kind of ferocity that's on the shot and where it ends up, no, right in the top corner. I think the goalie could have been standing, no, at that at that post and still no, still no kept it. So. Uh, no, I wouldn't blame the keeper. I thought it was a, just a brilliant hit. And uh, at that point, watching the game, you're thinking Rangers against 10 men. Now, granted, they'd struggled against 10 men again, uh, when Aberdeen came to Highbrook. But just in those circumstances, scoring right after uh, Ralph had been sent off. No, you're, you're watching the game thinking Rangers are going to go on now and, and score three or, three or four. Yeah, 70 minutes to go in the game. And... Dundee obviously do what you would expect them to do, which is they sit in a very, very low bank of four <laughs> with the, the, the here, here very tight again. midfield bank in front of them. And you think to yourself, oh, right, here we go. Well, now Rangers have got to do something that they find very, very difficult, which is to break down a low-lying block. Kenny Miller was barely even up front. He almost moved into yep. a sort of attacking midfield position. His, his classic Kenny Miller number 10 role yeah. um, that we were used to uh, when he was at Ibrox. And Rangers just found it impossible to break yeah. them down, with the exception of one moment, which was a great ball from Tavernier from deep. It was one of the few penetrating balls that Rangers played in the game. Kent scampers away down the right-hand side, whips it across for Lafferty, who, who sticks it away with a plomb. And you're thinking, terrific, 2-1, this is going to be 5 or 6. And then the linesman inexplicably puts up his flag for offside. Yeah, yeah I mean, perfectly good goal. It looked... It looked okay at the time. I think everybody was quite surprised when the because it did look as if Kent had almost like cut it back uh, as such, um, and a good finish for for Lafferty as well. But you're right. I mean that was the that was the one time they really penetrated, uh, and I think Kent was probably key to that. It was a big blow, I think, for Rangers and Gerard losing him at half time, even though he'd just been back for injury, and he was finding his feet again. He at least showed a couple of flashes in the first half that that would have you no know, that offered about a about a promise uh, and about optimism. And when they lost him, you no, know, the second half going forward was just was just dire stuff. So, so let's analyse where it went wrong. We've talked about how Dundee set up. Rangers were set up in a four-two-three-one, yeah, which was different. Was different from normal because it's normally a, a yeah, pretty standard four-three-three. But bear in mind, though, just we were saying about Dundee though, and the reason why. You're expecting Rangers to go and to go and win it. I mean, this is a Dundee team. Granted, before Jim McIntyre came in, that has defended abysmally this season. I mean, like leaking goals, like, like you wouldn't believe. Particularly from set pieces and yeah. from crosses into the box, which clearly they'd identified. Yeah, the and this time they played very, very well. They took the centre backs, Boyo and Kasunga. No, we've been watching them. No, making mistake after mistake after mistake this season. No, error after error in conceding goals. It's huge credit to Jim McIntyre 
not entirely surprising because I really rate him as a as a manager. But it's huge credit to him that he got them, you no, know, so organised, uh, kind of so solid and rigid in the second ho- uh, second half to keep to keep Rangers out. But you no, know, you're watching it thinking God, if, if Dundee had defended like that for you no know, a chunk of the of the season, they certainly wouldn't be in the, the position they're in now. Um, but also. Rangers made it easy. The Rangers fullbacks were also superb. Yeah. The, the fullbacks, uh, Kerr in particular, I thought, yeah. really, really stuck to his task and very diligent and tucked in well and covered the centre backs whenever there was an issue. So, as I say, Rangers 4 2 3 1, two players in the holding position, Rossiter and uh, Ryan Jack. Yeah. Scott, I'm, I'm never going to agree with that um, against Dundee, uh, even away from home. Uh, I just think it's too negative. What's your, what's your feeling? There's just no penetration in that. I, I agree. I think for for games, Rangers playing against Dundee, whether it's home or away, you don't need two sitting midfielders. I totally agree with that. Uh, I think Stephen Gerrard wanted to get Jordan Rossiter in the team to to get him game time. And he's obviously a sitting midfielder. Um and then he's decided, obviously, to leave Ajaria on the on the bench. He could have been another. If he had Rossiter sitting, he would have had to have dropped Ryan Jack, maybe play the Ajaria further forward with a Kent or a Kandias, whatever, various permutations. But I agree, don't need two sitting midfielders. And especially not once a man's been sent exactly. off from the opponents. Exactly. And to be fair, I think the sec- start of the second half... The manager knew that and and did make changes to try and uh, no to try and change it up a bit and try and be more attacking and he obviously threw guys on but you're also looking at the bench thinking he's thrown on Middleton, Ajaria, and then Barisic. No other striker on the bench. No, a lack of options there. Rangers have got a big squad now, as we know. Um, no, there, there is a lot of quality in the squad, but when Morelos is out, you've got Lafferty and that's it. And Morelos is out a lot. Well. <laughs> given his suspension issues. No, whereas Sadiq can always joke about it. I know he came in for the semi-final, didn't perform brilliant. But I mean, how bad do you need to be not to go on a, <clears throat> a seven-man bench when the main striker's out? Well, you, you said at the time you felt that was the last we were going to see of him. Yeah. And it's it's proven to be, I think, and correct. And you you I just wonder whether... It's probably worth asking Stephen Gerrard if I get the chance. No, you see guys like Andy Dallas in the reserves banging goals in yep. fairly regularly in that, that league. Zach, now, Zach Rodden on loan. Yeah. Ryan uh, Hardy on loan yeah, scored yeah. at the weekend. I, mean, I know I've, he's been injured. I've not seen that I've not seen much Andy Dallas at all. I'm only going in match reports and seeing wee clips uh, goals for the reserves. But it does baffle me slightly that no, a young kid with that scoring record. Why you wouldn't just make him your seventh man? He, cl- the, he clearly doesn't think he's on ready. The bench, Cle- clearly. But, but of course, and maybe, that, maybe listen, physically, and that's fine. Uh, if that's the case, fine. But I still think at one each against Dundee, who are camped in their own box, and you desperately need a goal with ten minutes to go, you'd like to look at your bench and see see another striker just to throw into the mix. But he's having to put Ajaria on. And let's be honest, we've spoken about Ajaria in the last couple of weeks. I don't think 
anybody really believed Ajaria was going to come on with 20 minutes to go and go and create something, go and score a goal. He did what, what he does. He went on to the game, sat off it, tried to get in the ball, tried to play passes, tried to keep it. No penetration, no killer pass, no getting in behind Dundee's defence, no runs into the box. That's what Rangers needed late on in the game on Sunday, something to make something happen. I mean, I was at the Celtic Kilmarnock game on Saturday. No, Kilmarnock went to Celtic Park 4-5-1, sitting in deep the way teams play against Rangers. Probably even deeper than Kilmarnock would normally do because Kurt Broadfoot was missing. They were shortened bodies at the back. Um, Scott Boyd wasn't fit and had to play centre-back. They played deep, 4-5-1, rigid. Celtic just cut them open. Yeah. Cut them open at will. And the reason they cut them open at will is because they had you know, forward passing, crisp passing. Uh, it was done at pace. There was movement off the ball for the wide guys and the attacking midfielders and the striker. It was... Uh, Everything was done at pace really quick and Kelly couldn't live with it. You contrast that with Rangers in the second half on Sunday. And as I said before, laboured, pedestrian, predictable. Get themselves into, albeit takes them several passes to get into a good position, normally out wide. But when it gets out wide, the quality is so, so poor that yeah, you've, they you've, couldn't create anything. You've got a six foot four centre forward there and Kyle Lafferty and the amount of balls that they actually put on his head was, was almost yep. negligible they do, they do, I don't think this Rangers team yet know how to play to Lafferty's strengths I almost feel sorry for him yep. in a way because he, played, he actually played okay Lafferty yep. you know he had a couple of moments where he was dealing with scraps and he got a shot in yep. um, you know he's, he is a good finish for the goal that was disallowed but he was a he, he, they just weren't bringing him into play. That's what properly. I'm saying. Couldn't couldn't get him into the game at all. Um, didn't know how to play his play his strengths. Kyle Lafferty either wants balls over the top that he can run onto. Now, granted, if there's not a lot of space, yeah. there, there's no space behind Dundee's defence, so that's difficult. Even though no, they managed it getting Kent in for for the Lafferty goal that was disallowed. But second half particular, granted, there's no space in behind. So you need to get quality deliveries in his head, whether it's for crosses or corners or free kicks. You have to get quality delivery so that he can go and attack balls. But There was yeah. no variation as well from Rangers. It was all out wide, ball into the box. Yeah. There was nothing through the middle. No one-twos on the edge of the box. No movement, no runs for deep. N nobody taking a pot shot, which no. is, we, we've talked about this very often. And again, for me, it's so crucial Whoever this player that they bring in, in midfield, it needs to be someone who can take a strike from 25 yards. Because that game was crying out for somebody just to stick their head up yep. and ping one in. Rangers had pretty much one shot in the second half, which was Ryan, Ke uh, Ryan Jack's low shot yeah, that true. was easily saved. Beyond that, it was all about getting into good positions and wide and then not delivering a decent final ball. Yeah. Now The, 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 set, the set pieces are also disappointing, Johnny. See, we're, we're talking about teams where... No, this low block and defending deep and how do you get how do you get the better of them? Mm. You get the better of them by coming up with something imaginative and something different for a set piece that they're not expecting, whether it be a corner or a free kick. Rangers did nothing with corners and free kicks. 
they, they basically crossed it into the, the goalie's arms or hit the first or hit the first man. That's no good enough. It, it, no, when these games are so tight and you're getting to the real nitty gritty of this, you no, know, these big games this month, getting towards the kind of business end of the season, you have to be, you no, know, you have to be creative. You need to come up with something that's going to be the difference between winning games and and drawing games. And I didn't see that at all in in Sunday. Uh, didn't see it against Aberdeen either, and that's why it's a, that's why it should be a concern. Gerald said after the game that he was sick of players shaking their heads when they weren't in the first 11, coming and knocking on his dressing room door and then not performing when he puts them in. One player that really stuck out in my mind when he was saying that was Eros Gresda, who for me, I've got to be honest, people won't like this. I've seen absolutely nothing from this player since he arrived to suggest that he's a 1.52 million pound player. I've seen very little to suggest that he's going to offer much going forward. He doesn't look particularly fast. He doesn't really look like he has a box of tricks. He doesn't look like a player who's going to take a shot um, from long range. I'm just not really sure what he's bringing to the party at the, at the moment. Now, there's a long way to go, and he, he could turn it around. But I think he's shown such a paucity of, of, of real quality, yeah. creative quality, that you have to start asking questions about this, this, this I transfer. Th- I think this is why Sunday felt like a kind of pivotal moment, Johnny. The fact that you're... The fact that you've been so critical Igresda quite rightly. Um the fact that Gerard was so critical talking about no he now knows the players he can trust, which is which are strong words. Yeah. Um I think it was a pivotal moment because it was it was so poor. It came after the Aberdeen game. Uh it's really hindered Rangers now just in terms of the points at the top of the table. You're now looking at Celtic the game in hand and Celtic, you no know, beginning to or looking as if they're beginning to motor. Uh, it, it feels like a really important point, and up until up until now, Stephen Gerrard and Mark Allen, who we have to mention, have had a lot of praise for the recruitment in the summer. We've said it ourselves that apart from Sadiq of like fifteen signings, the other fourteen look. Looked good. Uh, you could understand why they went and got them. Looked as if it was going to be they were going to be good value for Rangers. Yeah. I think Sunday and you've just proved the point by being so critical. I think Sunday is the first time punters and pundits and people like us are looking at it, going, "Well, wait a minute. Two million for Gresda. Two million Barisic." Has he really produced? I think I think yeah. Barisic will come good because I can. S- this is the this is the point. I just want to make this. Barisic has been up and down, but you can see a player there. You can see the quality delivery into the box. You can see him motoring up and down. So I see the elements of a player that can be good for Rangers. He just needs to get used to the Scottish game, the differences in uh, the pitches and the yeah. players and the climate, etc., etc. Once he does that, I think he's he'll be to, fine. But he's going to get used to it quick. Yes, that's he's, true. He's, he's had, he said six months. Scott, I totally agree with you, but that's the difference between him and Gresda, and I think this is important. Yeah. Gresda's shown almost nothing for yeah. me. Now, people will say that game against Motherwell, where he scored two goals. You know what? I that said, was appalling defending. I him said to you, the, I said to you, the Motherwell game, I didn't think he did a great <laughs> game. I mean, he got man of the match, scored these goals. I, I said to you weeks ago that I couldn't see it with Gresda, right? I, 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 I didn't, just didn't think he looked comfortable, didn't think he 
looked like a player, but you're willing to give guys chances because he's an Albanian international. Apparently Barisic and Katic and that were saying he was Osijek's best player last season. And that, that was the word out of Croatia. Right. There was a Croatian journalist yeah. on Twitter who was saying that he was an exception. So you're thinking there has player. to be something there. And to be honest, a couple of weeks ago I was almost holding my hands up because off the back of the Motherwell game, uh, I was in Albania for the Albania-Scotland game where I thought he tore Callum Patterson to shreds for 45 minutes. And I thought... If he's going to produce this at Rangers, they'll be they'll be quite happy. I thought Rangers fans will be watching this, thinking, right, we've got a real player here. And in the first half at Tynecastle, I thought he showed signs. Uh, I thought he actually carried that Albania forum into the game at Tynecastle. Um, showed flashes, particularly in the first half, just wanting to get at his man, no, willing to come inside as well as going out, getting no pot shots away at, at goal um, so I thought right he might be coming on to something but you're right Sunday was uh, really poor um, there was real and Stephen Gerrard spoke about players wanting to take responsibility and you know, grabbing games by the scruff of the neck and making things happen if you paid 2 million for an international winger he's one of the guys you're looking to take responsibility and go and make something happen, um, and clearly he didn't do that, and that will be that will be another worry for Gerard that he he isn't producing what clearly him and Mark Allen thought they would. Um, and going back to my my point about the recruitment Sunday to me is probably the first time after the game. You know, you're looking at social media, you're listening to fans, you're looking at that performance, thinking few question marks about these players now and no we're gonna find out we're gonna find out about them uh in the next the next month or so. Gerard's kinda of laid down the gauntlet by saying they've no right to chat my door because when I ask them to produce they're not doing it. I know the guys I can trust. That's really putting the, the gauntlet down to them and saying, Come on, no, what what have you got here? Can can you really handle this pressure, that pressure you spoke about earlier on, I'm saying Gerard thrives on. How are these players going to handle it? Because at the moment, getting into their biggest month of the season so far in terms of games against your rivals, obviously an old firm game in the horizon, they're, they're not showing it at the moment. Anyone who listens to this podcast maybe won't be surprised though, because once again Rangers have struggled with the same thing that we've been banging on about for months, which is going up against a, a defence they can't break down. But do you know what? At the same time, while I wasn't surprised by that, especially after the man went off that they struggled, I won't be surprised at all if they go to Rapid Vienna and win. Because it's the perfect game. It's the way this team is set up. They're a counter-attacking team. Gary McAllister said it to us uh, last Friday that he stood in for Gerard at the press conference that they've found that the Europa League games have suited them because every team they play against in the Europa League come out to play basically and come at Rangers they think it's Rangers for Scotland we, sh- we should be going attacking them and we should be no we should be the dominant side we should be taking the game to them and you're right that suits Rangers because your Middletons your Gresdas your Candaces you can be critical of them at home or away from home at Livingston when they no, they've no got space to work in. If you give them acres of space 
and they use their pace, no, Morelos is another one, then they can still hurt you. And you're right, it wouldn't surprise me either. I think it's a tall order, especially given the, the last two performances. We know Steven Gerrard will mix it up again and make several changes, I think, again. But the game should suit them. If Rapid Vienna come out at all and leave but spaces it, in behind, they could sit in, but it's a, dang- but it's a dangerous game for mm. them if they sit in. Well, they might look at Rangers and say, well, if we sit in, they've got to come out onto us. They like, might. And that would then suit us. They might. Um, well, we've got a pile of questions here for Twitter, and we're going to have to go through this, Scott. Uh, for, so I'm going to ask you to answer these as fast as you can. Quick fire. Right. Um, square sausage or link, Scott? That's from Robert Thompson. Square, definitely. He's a big fan of the podcast. He uh, says often that he's a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> uh, Square. Yeah, I, I'm going for Link there, mate. I, I prefer Link. I don't know if it's the Edinburgh lad. It's Edinburgh, I think. Uh, uh, we uh, don't do Square Sausages much over there. Terrible. No. We, we like our um, caramelised red onion and apple sausages, things like that, you know? I don't, even, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Joe Water Anderson. What's Gerard's best 11? Oh, what a question. Right, I'll tell but you. Does Steven Gerrard know his best? <laughs> I think he does. Yeah. McGregor, Barisic, Tavernier at fullbacks. I think it's going to be McCauley and uh, and your man Goldson in, in the back. Midfield, I think in a in a big game, you go Ryan Jack, Koulibaly and Arfield. Then up front, Morelos. On the right, Candias. On the left, Kent. Kent. Yeah, that that for me is the. You're probably right. If they were playing with everybody fit, and they were playing the old firm game tomorrow, Ibrooks. Yeah, I think that would be the that would be the eleven he would go for. Um, as I say, I think he wants guys like Warrow and no Rossiter, John Flanagan. Maybe I think he believes that that these guys should be should be challenging or should be competing to be in that starting eleven. But I think you're right. If everybody's a hundred percent, and he had to pick a team to go and try and beat Celtic, that's probably eleven he'd go with. Okay, next question now from Scott Cameron. Do you agree that if Davis move happens, that another attacking midfielder would still be required due to the change in his play since last at Rangers? I think so because, as I've said before, Stephen Davis has gone back the way in terms of his position on the pitch. He's now more of a sitting midfielder at Southampton. I've already said I don't think that's what Rangers particularly need. Sure, it would be an improvement in that area, probably, in terms of his quality. But Rangers still need a number 10 you're, to you're go and create. You're softening on Stephen Davis now, aren't you? I'm not. I'm sticking by my, sticking by <laughs> my guns. Sticking by his guns. Um, does Gerard need to show more tactical flexibility when facing low blocks? Well, <laughs> I mean, none of us are tactical uh, kind of mas- masters, do you know what I mean? Uh, but... What do you do? It, I to, think he to, did quite a get, lot. Uh, to, to get through the low block, no. I think on Sunday, when I'm being so deep, see if you're not getting enough quality in for the sides, which clearly they weren't, the only option then is just to go along into Lafferty, just to get somebody up beside them and throw balls into the box. And that's a bit old-fashioned and a bit, uh, no, a bit pragmatic, but maybe that's an option for them when it gets to that stage in games and the quality isn't coming. Listen, I'm a great... People listening to this probably think I'm saying it's wrong to get the ball out wide and get balls in it, but I'm not saying that. That's 
you know, the best teams have always got the ball wide and get balls into the box. But there's got to be quality. There's, uh, there's also got to be variation. Yeah. You can't do the same thing over no. and over again because teams work it out and yeah. they, they shut you down. Um, and, and that's perhaps the problem. That's maybe what he's getting at. But I feel like Gerard, you know, he changed the formation for the game. He went to that three-man attack in midfield. Yep. And in the first in the first half especially, there was a lot of rotation. Um, you would see Cam Diaz drift out to the left. You would see Kent out on the right, as you saw with the goal that was disallowed. Yep. Gresda was in the number 10, and then he was moving back out to the right. Yeah. Cam Diaz was in at number 10. So they were trying... It does It does try and shake it up. Yeah. You're right. I mean, listen, you could argue all day, no, does he need... No, did, did, did they need two centre-backs playing late in the second half? No, could they have taken a centre-back off to put Ajari or, or somebody on just and just go away like one centre-back, your two full-backs? Because as you say, Kenny Miller was hardly even playing up front towards the end of the game. Um, but I think I think Gerard does try and shake it up. No, And, and I think no, people used to laugh... Uh, People used to laugh about Mark Warburton no making the substitutions <laughs> like right on the hour. Six Mark, yeah. yeah, I mean you can't really say that about Gerard. He throws guys on pretty early when it when he kind of reads the game and sees how it's going and thinks we're just going to need to go for this. And, and especially in that game, he did. He made yeah. changes early. Unfortunately, yep. they just didn't work. Um, so are Ryan Jack and Joe Worrell good enough for Rangers? Players that should be playing for teams fighting for third and fourth, in my opinion. That's from at Michael Fairley. Is that harsh? Slightly harsh. Uh, I've already kind of said what I think about Warrow. Ryan Jack, I don't think is in the best of form at the minute. Uh, certainly the last, last couple of games. Listen, there's been games, I thought the home game against Villarreal, for instance, Ryan Jack was was excellent. Uh, no, Ryan Jack's a... He's not the guy that's going to burst forward for midfield and go and create something, we know that. He's a he's a sitting midfielder that you deploy to dictate the tempo of the game for you. Keep no no keep the team ticking over while he's passing. But on Sunday, like the rest of them, as I said before, it was too laboured, it was too predictable, it was too backwards and sideways as opposed to purposeful yeah. passing forward. Um and that's what that's what Ryan Jack has to improve on. Just in terms of Know your man saying about playing for teams third and fourth. I don't know about that. What I would say is, though, going back to my point about McGregor, no, the keeper of all people showing the passion and the kind of drive and try to get the team forward in the second half. It's the kind of age-old question. You do wonder about guys. No, Joe Warrell coming for Nottingham Forest, Connor Goldson for Brighton, uh, Barisic and. Uh, Gresda coming for Osijek. No, there's others that you could throw in there. Teams where drawing away from home is a good result, basically. No, there just there was a lack. <coughs> that lack of urgency felt like these were guys kind of going through the motions because they didn't really understand the situation that they were in, how vital it was for Rangers to get three points, and how you get that across to people. I think only guys like McGregor. And Andy Halliday, for instance, really get that. Whether the others get it in terms of winning is everything up here. It's a no. As far as Rangers and Celtic fans are concerned, it's a two-horse race, and you have to finish on top of the other one. Whether these guys have really got that yet, 
I don't know. In that regard, I thought Sunday was a bit of, a bit of a worry. I thought that was a great point, Scott, and I saw a few comments on Twitter regarding that. There was just never that sense of panic. No. Let's get the ball into exactly. the mixer. Let's really, really mix this up. Let's press. Yeah. It was never that Dundee were really scrambling to get no. the ball away. It's the same against Aberdeen. Yeah. Exact same. That that lack of urgency, as you say, that I don't want to say desperation because you you then make mistakes when you when you get desperate, but. You're right, that kind of... No, just... The, the sense that the pulse is being quickened. The sense just, that the pulse is yeah. being quickened of the game. Um, why are the Rangers youth not good enough for the first team? Well, we've just touched on it. I mean, we don't see many of the games. There are clearly young players uh, performing well in the, the reserves. A couple of the boys have had a chance, haven't they? Ataki has had a chance. Uh, Stephen Kelly, I think, has been in squads. But the one I would like to, or you would like to see given a chance is, is Dallas, just because of the, the goals. Um, but we'll find out. I'll make I, I'll make it a point to to ask Stephen Gerrard at the press conference this week about Andy Dallas and how close he is or how far away he is to the first team. But he might be, he, he, if, listen, if the boy keeps scoring goals, he might be the, the next one that's promoted and might just get a chance. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of uh, fanfare about the fact that when Warburton came in at Rangers, they sort of reset the youth system, and Mark Allen again has had a lot of influence in that. And it seems to me that there was an external uh, test done on Rangers youth system. I think they scored extremely highly above the average for similar sized European clubs. Yeah. So it seems to me that now we should be expecting to see some really high quality players come through over the next four or five years because they've done the work. Should. To get it right, yeah, you should. So that, that's at, when at the, the moment. I mean, let's let's be honest about it. At the moment, you've got Ross McCrory and Glenn Middleton in the first team. That that's it. And uh, Middleton's not really a product. Of that, Rangers, that's what I was going to yeah. say. I mean, a wee bit, no, it's a wee bit cheeky of Rangers to claim Middleton as as one of their own through the academy when they went and got him for uh, they went and got him for Norwich. Obviously, who were letting them go only eighteen months ago or whatever it is. So those two are the only ones. There should be more. Stephen Gerrard might say on Friday, listen, this isn't that we're going for a title here, we're at the top of the league, pressure's high, it's not the time to throw to throw young kids in. That's fair enough if that's what you, you think. I'm just raising the question, on Sunday, when you're desperate for a goal, no, he's looking at the bench and there's no there's no other strikers there. That's That can't be right. Okay, I've got a question for um, from uh, Crazy Horse, who says, are the Rangers management team guilty of trying to play the game on paper rather than the one on grass? For example, Ejaria is often tasked with defending the six-yard box at six set pieces to disastrous effect. He may well be six foot three on paper, but he's five foot three on grass. I think we covered that the other week, Johnny, yeah. didn't we? We were surprised that uh, Ejaria had been marking... Lewis Ferguson, for instance, in the, the semi-final when he lost him for the he lost him for the winning goal, and then against Aberdeen, Ejaria seemed to be in the mix when the the ball get punted in for for Scott McKenna's goal. So, no, I think he's got a point. I, I think we've covered it. It's slightly surprising to us that Ejaria seems to have been given a defensive role at set pieces. It clearly is because he's size, but. It doesn't look as if he's that great at it. Okay, final question from Roscoe M81. Would Ryan Gold be an option, and is he available? Scott, you have some information on this. 
I do. I mean, Ryan Gold uh, is available as far as I'm aware. He's currently on loan at the in the Portuguese second division from Sporting Lisbon. He's still got, I think, two years left in his contract at, at Sporting Lisbon. We all know he moved over there for big money, uh, six-year contract, big release clause. Um, clearly, it hasn't worked out quite as uh, as Ryan Gold would have wanted it to. He's had a couple of loan spells that haven't haven't really worked out. He's not really been given a chance. Uh, Sporting, obviously, a huge a huge club, um, but it's interesting because it's it's my understanding that Ryan Gold will be available in January, even uh, either in another loan deal because I think there's a I think there's a clause in his current loan contract that if any top flight European club, i.e. Rangers, were to come in for him, he could go on loan there. But there's also the chance of a permanent deal. I think for them they want to go in and want to get and buy him. Um, in terms of a fee, I don't think <coughs> don't think Sporting Lisbon would be too difficult to deal with if it was a no a, a, a relative fee, but with big sell on and big add-ons. I think that's that would be the way to do it. We're talking about someone who is affordable to Rangers. There's no yeah, doubt about that. Yeah, I think so. And no. Rangers know that Ryan Gold is is going to be available in January, so he'll be on. Not saying he's on a list. That that makes sounds as Rangers are are interested. They might not be, but they know of his situation. They're aware of his situation. Whether they've done any research into Gold, how much Mark Allen and Stephen Gerrard know about him, I've got absolutely no idea. They might not be a might not even be an option for them on a on a long list. But in terms of fans asking. I can tell them that gold is available, and if Rangers wanted them, no, they they could they could go in and, and try and do a do a deal for him. I uh, think he could be a a brilliant signing for Rangers. Now I'm only going by what I saw of him in Scotland, uh, and I saw a fair bit of him, and I thought he was absolutely sensational at seventeen, eighteen. Really, really earned his move to Sporting Lisbon, and clearly it's not gone as well as you would have hoped. But speaking to people who are in the know about such things and have watched him play over there, he still has played over 150 games across the two Portugal top yeah. flight leagues, and uh, that's a lot of experience. And he must be a better player for that. It's as simple yeah. as that. He's I not going to have declined. No, I think he'll definitely have improved as a as a player. You have to train him. I mean, he would have trained with Sporting's first team. No, nearly every day since he got there. That has to, that has to make you better. Um, I think there was a spell with Gold when he went uh, on loan uh, to one of the clubs that they actually moved him back the pitch and he became more of a sitter, similar to what we were saying to Stephen Davis. But I think this current loan move, he's been pushed further forward again, playing either as a number 10 or wide the for any club getting in for him, whether it be Rangers or whoever else, the the positives are he can play right across the front, you no know, right, left, or just in behind a striker. Um, and like you, listen, I'm not proclaiming I've seen you know, much footage of Ryan Gold since he went to Portugal. I've seen him a couple of times when he came back for Scotland, and he still looked good. Certainly like you, when I watched him at 17, 18, some of the things he did creatively on the pitch were exactly what Rangers are needing now in terms of a final pass um, 
you know, creating gilt-edged opportunities. That's what he's. That's certainly what he was all about. If he still get that in his locker, and he might have even added, you know, a few other strings to his to his bow. In terms of, I think he'll be physically far stronger now than he was when he went to to uh, Lisbon. So, I think it's worth Rangers looking at it, and if they can get it done relatively cheaply and that's the position that they're looking for which we think they are then why not absolutely I totally agree with that well that's all from us Scott we're going to call it a day there I think we've got through quite a lot um, probably went massively over time yet um, we'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers if you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate you can you can tweet me at Johnny R. McCall, and you can tweet Scott at Scott McDermott 8 and uh, don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Hanging on the edge of Yeah!